Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lent. I'm your host, James Lamy, and my guest today is a project manager, a mother, and a community activist, Reverend Pauline Johnson. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast. Um, I was referred to you by a mutual friend of ours, Miss Cheryl Ann Fenner. Oh, my favorite girl. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl, you know, Cheryl, she said she used to work for me, but however, I used to work, I really worked for her because she ran the show. <laughs> She's great. So Cheryl and I have been friends for a long time. She's, I, I love her to pieces. And she was, she was talking, we, me and her was having a conversation one day and she mentioned about you losing your son. First of all, let me offer my condolences about your son being murdered, actually. So my condolences with that. Thank you. She told me, she said, and I, I trust Miss Cheryl Ann Judgment. She said, you got to have her on your podcast. He has an interesting story. I said, okay, well, you have to set it up for me. Of course, <laughs> she didn't help me really set it up, but she did, give me, <laughs> she did give me your number and everything. So here we are. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here. Cheryl is great people. We really, she's been, in fact, we just did something this past weekend together. Uh, I did a, uh, for the, Loudon Abused Women's Services, uh, I spoke, and they did a brunch for the women who are been abused. It was really a, a great event, great event. Now, how did you, how have you become so involved with your community? Well, you know, when you, when you see things that need to take place and, and you, you want to be a part of what's happening to make things better, right? You want to make things better for people. So years ago, I actually started working in community service, uh, I was on the board of directors at the, at the homeless shelter. So, you know, when you see that folks have to go through, you want to do anything you can to try to help. Is it, how rewarding is it for you? Oh my goodness. I think what's rewarding for, for me and probably for many others, it's when you see the look on their faces when you know you've made a difference. You know, if you can brighten someone's day who's really going through uh, and you can try to make their day better, and you can see it in their faces that they, they you can just see the light in their eyes that someone's come by to help. So that's that's really more than enough, to be honest. Because of your title as a reverend, do you feel more responsible to be involved in your community? Uh, okay, so no, not, not, not because my name is, that the title is there. To be honest, my personal vertical relationship with the Lord is what makes me want to uh, be involved uh, because I feel like I have a responsibility and I have a purpose and I want to fulfill my purpose in him. Uh, whatever it is that he would have me to do, I try very hard to be obedient to that call. So it's not really the title. It's really my personal relationship with God. When did you have this revelation that you, that you needed to be more involved? Like how long has it been? Oh my goodness. I've been, I've been, oh, that's an interesting question because the first thing that came to my mind was my call into ministry. But actually, if I go back, because I was married uh, 47 years, so my husband and I both, when we first got married, became involved with community activities in our town. Uh, we started the first art support group, trying to get the community involved in just arts. And uh, so, gee, when I think about that, I've been involved since uh, the beginning. Uh, and even when I was in high school, I <laughs> you really make me think back. When I was in high school, I, you know, I was 
part of the library club. I was the, the newspaper club. So I always tried to be involved in, in different activities. That's kind of just <laughs> the way I do, I guess. That's interesting though. Just made me think about that, how many things I do get engaged with. That's interesting, why the arts? Oh, well, my husband was an artist. Um, he was a painter. Uh, he, you know, he was, his media was oils and acrylics and he actually was very good. He went to Howard University, but you know, he passed in 2017, but he didn't really, you know, he, he did art. So we would go to art festivals and art shows and, you know, he sold his art. So when in our community, way back when we first got married, we wanted people to have culture and let them know that in the, in the black community, you know, there's so much to what we are and who we are. And so we started that art support program and we brought in um, different groups to do um, not just, you know, art, but music as well. So we would have different affairs throughout the um, events, rather not affairs, uh, different events throughout the year uh, that would promote the programs and the arts in, the, in our community. And my community is Binghamton, New York, where we, where we were, where I was not born, but I was raised in New York City, but um, we lived in Binghamton. And so that was, uh, you know, there, there, there weren't many people to really promote the arts like that. So we were kind of like the first to start that. So that was kind of nice. You're making me go way back. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you actually into the arts before you met him? No, not really. No, he, uh, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, I'm laughing because, you know, you're making me think so far back. Um, I remember when I first went out with my husband, I remember going to his house and he, and he says, you, you want to see my artwork? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, right. You can draw. But come to find out he was serious and he really could draw. So that was uh, that was nice. So I've always been into fashion. though. So I love fashion and I, and I was going to go to school for for fashion. So I was I think I was always into the arts when it comes to, you know, fashion and art and anything that's music, to do with music, anything like that. I've always loved. You say you were going to go to school. What happened? James, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it, so I got to ask. <laughs> well, I fell in love and I got married. Oh, well, that's yeah. a good reason. So that kind of, you know, my husband was, he was at Howard and I was getting ready to go to school in um, New York at the time. And uh, we had a baby. So that kind of just changed things. Oh, oh okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So baby makes it different. <laughs> Yeah, it made a difference. Was that was that tough? Because you because I mean you you really had to put your dreams on hold. So was that a tough decision for you? It was. It was a tough decision because you know it was a tough decision because I I mean my whole life I wanted to be a fashion um I wanted to be a buyer. I wanted to be a buyer, so that was really important to me. And when I when we when I came back to Binghamton and I, I had to leave New York. It was it was quite a transition. I had to really get used to that, to be honest. I think it, you know, I thought it would bother Brad more, but he didn't. He didn't seem to act as though it bothered him. But I think it probably did too. I think it, it probably had an impact on both of us, to be honest. But we did have a beautiful daughter from that, though. <laughs> you think it impacted him moving away from New York? Well, he was no, he was he was in Binghamton. I'm saying because he was going to school at Howard in Washington D.C., so he had to come back to Binghamton. Oh, oh, okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. So I think that had an impact. I was in New York City and had to come back to Binghamton. Oh. And Binghamton is a small little town, you know. And so we both did put our careers really, they were more than on hold. We changed, we changed our whole lifestyle, right? Because he didn't go back. He did not go back to school. And if anyone should have went back to school, 
he should have went back to school because he was a very uh, smart man, smart. And uh, it would have been good for him to finish college, but he did not. Oh, he did not finish. Mm-mm, he did not. Uh, but he still he would still draw and paint. And in fact, he, but he changed his career because he became a. Um, oh, gosh, he worked. He worked for the phone company. So he became like a I forget what you call him, what the title was, but he worked for the phone company. That's what he did. But I'm sure that had to have an impact on him, though. But you wouldn't have been able to tell it by the way our family was, because people used to call us the Cosby family. We were just uh, <laughs> we just had to had that good kind of family life. <laughs> At least, at least it was pretty much for most part. You know, there's always the good, the bad, and the ugly, but for the most part, it was good. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's what pretty much any, <laughs> I think everybody's been married or in a relationship, you have those ups and downs. 47 years, that's a long time. Wow. <laughs> so you, so it was, you guys were married 47 years before he passed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were married 47 years. Because he said when he got sick, he said, he said, Paul, do you think we'll make 50? And I said, I don't know. Only God knows that one. We don't know. He was really trying to make 50. Uh, we made 47. Wow. How, so you said he passed in 2017. You said, correct? yes. Mm-hmm. For you personally, what kind of adjustment was that? Because I mean, sharing your life with somebody for, 47 years is, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, okay, so uh, it was, how can I say this? It was, uh, I remember after I came home from the hospital and to be honest, cause he had been sick for three years. So I was really exhausted. So initially, I know a lot of times wives will move in with their children or they go different places. But um, I just, I remember coming home and being totally exhausted. And I was waiting for my, my daughter, my grandkids to come home, uh, to come by my house. And I had stopped at the actually Bahama Breeze to get some food for them when they did stop by, but I had fallen asleep on the couch. And I just remember being exhausted. And so I think, you know, being married for 47 years and then going through being a caregiver, I was, I was tired. I was very tired. And so, um, and then you remember that Hollis had passed in 2014. So that was two big things happening, like, like in, within three years of each other. Right. So it wasn't that, that was still a lot of loss at that time. So I kind of, it did not bother me to be by myself. I'm gonna be honest with you. I just, I did, it did not. I just, I just kept going on with my life, to be honest with you. I didn't, I don't think, probably most women who've been married that long would have probably been, it had been different for them. But for me, it was, uh, I was, I was, no, I had retired. So then I started thinking about what I was going to do in my career because I had retired to take, help take care of him. Uh, that in 2016, I retired. But so I had to find some things to do to keep me occupied because like you, you can see, like I, I led a very busy life. So um I was used to being busy because taking care of him and then my other activities with church and whatnot, uh, I still needed to be constantly doing something. So, uh, but back to your question, how did I, how did I do that? I think that because I was tired and because I had been through kind of a lot, I was kind of just trying to embrace the quiet time for myself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, to, I really got into taking that time 
for me, which I had not had the ability to do or even the time to do prior to that. We'll come back to that, but I gotta, we would talk, when we first started talking, the, the big thing that we talked about was your son being murdered. Um, can you can you take us back? That was what two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, that was a oh boy, that was a that was a rough 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 time. And and I'll tell you what happened that day. It was a it was a Monday night football. Monday night football it was a Monday night. It was Monday night football. And I'll even take it back a little further. Earlier that day, I was on my home on my way home from work, and I was talking to Brad on the telephone. We we're talking. He says, oh, Pauline, I got to go. It's Hollis, because our son's name was Hollis. He says, I got to go, because Hollis is calling me. I says, okay. So he got to talk to him before that. But, okay, you know what? I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you. Okay. See, now I'm jumping around. But I want to get. I want you to hear this, because I'm going to go back. Hollis was killed October 27th. My grandson was going into the military the week before that. And so what we did was we had a family event at our house for everybody to come over. And you know how everybody usually comes at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So we were going to make sure we had everybody here for before Silas. It was two weeks before before Silas left. So Hollis and Hollis was a character. Hollis pulls up in his he, he had a um, oh, goodness, one of those old old school cars. That was mm -hmm. one of his it was a second car that he re re renovated. And he comes in, he, he pulls up at the in the in the in the driveway with this big car and he's got a sweatsuit on that's like an old school velvet sweatsuit. <laughs> you know, he just was a character like this. And so uh, he came in and so we all got to see Hollis two weeks before he died. And so that was huge because otherwise we wouldn't have seen him because he probably wouldn't have come back until Thanksgiving time. So, but the interesting thing of that night, um, he, had, he actually had a fiance and uh, she was here. And what we ended up doing they were talking in the house. Well, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. And they had had a kind of a little disagreement. And so house says, mom, I'm getting ready to leave. I says, okay. So he had changed his clothes and he was getting ready to go to some affair in DC. And I went to hug him. And this is what I really want you to hear because when I went to hug him, we had this embrace that, you know how, when you hug people, they will, after a while, let, let, like you want, they want you to let them go. Mm -hmm. Hollis and I hugged and he never moved. He allowed me to just hold him. And I never will forget that because I didn't, I didn't, didn't know that was going to be the last time that I had actually uh, touched my son and hugged him while he was alive. So that was huge. So that was two weeks before he died. And, and it's so, I think it's significant because the whole family got to see him that, at that time too. So now I'm going to fast forward back to that Monday night football. And Monday night football, um, Brad was sitting there watching the, he was watching the game and I was sitting on the other side of the couch and I was looking through a magazine, one of my fashion magazines and I was flipping through it. And Hollis's best friend, it was 1130. He, he says, uh, it was Tori, he said, he said Miss Johnson, is, is, is Mr. Johnson there? I says, yeah, he's here. She says, he says, can I speak to him? I said, sure, sure. So I gave Brad the phone and I could see Brad was disturbed and he said, Pauline, Brad, Hollis has been shot and I, and I, and I, oh my God, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, he said, he told Brad that Hollis was at the uh, Washington, was it Washington Center with the hospital? Washington, Washington Center, yeah. What is it called? 
Washington Hospital Center. Yeah, the Washington Hospital Center. Uh, he said, House is at the Washington Hospital Center. He had just been shot. He says, uh, so Brett, Brett says, I'm, we're on our way, we're on our way. So the first thing we did, was we called our daughter and let her know that we were, that House had been shot and her and her boyfriend were gonna meet us here at our house. And I remember running upstairs, praying, just saying, God, just, just let him live, just let him live. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and so we got dressed and um, Shia got here and we got in the car and we're driving down 95. And at one point while we while were driving down 95, I touched Brad's hand, he touched my hand at the same time. And I always think that that might've been when he passed, but I, I, I don't know that we just touched hands and we just kind of held each other the whole way down to DC. Um, and then we got to the Washington Hospital Center. We come in and we say, you know, we, we just got a call saying that our son had been shot. And uh, they said, well, you can go back to this room back here. So they had us go back into this room. And that by that time, House's best friend had got there and uh, three of his best friends actually came to the hospital along with his fiance. So we're all there and it's, I mean, it was like we're waiting forever. And after about an hour, I pulled the preacher card. I went to the, to the intercom and I said, look, I'm a preacher, I wanna see my son. Bottom line, I wanna see my son. And they said, um, we'll, we'll be right there. If you could just go into, we'll, we'll be there just in a few minutes, just give us a little bit more time. I said, okay. So when they, they finally came out, and I think after I, called, after I called the intercom, they came out within like a few minutes. They didn't, it didn't take them long. And they came out and they asked us to go into this little, this small room. And uh, this, is, this is something that Hollis used to always say. He would, he would say this term, it's done all it can do. It's done all it can do. And the doctor said, we did all we could do. We did all we could do. And I looked at them and I said, well, I, well, I wanna see my son. And we went and they had him, he was laying on that gurney. Oh my God, he was laying on that gurney. I just kept rubbing his head. And they told me, don't touch him, don't touch him. And I didn't, I didn't care what they said. I just kept touching his head. And I kept saying, Hollis, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I couldn't protect him. And uh, the Holy Spirit just told me right then. The Holy Spirit says, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And I thought, I thought oh my goodness. I knew, I knew from that point I would have to do his eulogy. I knew that God had called me to do that eulogy and Hollis would have wanted me to do that eulogy too. And so after that, you know, we, we, we stayed in that room for oh, a long time and Brad, Brad, oh my goodness, this, you know, we were, you know, do you have any children, James? I do, I have a daughter, she's 11. Okay, so you have a daughter. So you girls are real close to their sons, right? I mean, the girls are real close to their dads and they have a special relationship with their moms, right? There's a there's a relationship <laughs> with the mom, but it's different with the dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just different. There's something about a dad and his daughter that's, you know, you, you can't take that away. <laughs> that is always going to be there. And so Brad and I both had a very special relationship with Hollis. I had that mother-son relationship. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that mother's son that, you know, a, a mother and her son is something special. And then, and then Brad had, he had his relationship with Hollis. Uh, so I knew he was taking it hard, but I felt like I had to be the strong one, to be honest. I felt like I was the one who was going to have to be the one who's going to have to tough this out. 
So um, we stayed there for a while, we, actually quite a while. We stayed in the room and all of his, his friends came in and, uh, uh, so that was, that was, that was, that was tough. And so afterwards I called my pastor, my, 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 my pastor that I had at the time was, uh, I can't think of their names now. Um, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of her name. I can't think of their names, but anyway, I ended up calling, I called them, but I also called my old pastor who knew Hollis because Hollis grew up in that church. So I called Reverend Boykin and Reverend Boykin, I said, Reverend Boykin, they just shot, they shot Hollis, they shot Hollis. And he said, I'm on my way. I said, no, no, I didn't want him to come because I knew that we weren't going to be there that long after that. So um, he, I said, no, please don't come. We'll be, we'll be leaving here soon. And so he ended up not, you know, he didn't come and, uh, but I really did not want him to. And then Brad ended up calling, you know, call family and everyone, you know, that we did. So that was, that was, that was, it was a rough, rough, rough time. And I remember the police um, coming to my, coming to my house and they took pictures. And I remember uh, there's a picture of me that was in the news that you could just see the grief in my face. You could just see the grief. We had a couple times where we actually, um, we did, we did so many different things. Like we had a uh, vigil for him where all of his friends came and uh, people loved Hollis. I mean, he had so many friends that, uh, and he was, I didn't mention this, but he, he worked at uh, Freddie Mac. So he was, he kind of had the same kind of job that I had at the time. He was like a, uh, not a vendor manager, but he did work with contracts, which is, it was in the procurement field, which is, which I've always been in the procurement field. Uh, so we actually, uh, we started making preparation for his services and, so many people came to my house and said, well, Miss Johnson, you don't have to, or, or Reverend, Reverend Johnson, you don't have to do this funeral. You don't have to do it. You don't have to, you, you can, we, we've got plenty of preachers that can do it. But when God calls you to do something, you don't really have a choice in it, right? You know, to me, I knew that when I heard the best is yet to come, that was going to be the title of the message for Hollis. Mm -hmm. And so um, I says, no, uh, I've have to, I have to do this. And God will equip me to do what he's called me to do. And at the same token, when Brad passed, it's so funny, everybody just assumed that I was gonna do Brad's services. No, no, God did not tell me that. God did not tell me to do Brad. And even Brad sat here when he would, while he was sick, he said, Pauline, you wanna do my service too? And I said, no, nah. he says, yeah, I didn't think so. I don't think you can do mine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so it was, you know, it's been, um, you know, I wrote a book, not a book, but I'm getting ready to write a book, though. I'm, I hope to do that. Uh, I wrote my, my thesis, which Cheryl was a big instrumental in helping me finish that thesis because I would give her to do my edits for me, uh, along with uh, 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 Reverend Dr. Howard J. Trainum. He was another person that really encouraged me to finish my, my thesis because every single time I would go to do the thesis, something would happen. Like the first time when I went to go do it, that's when Hollis passed, so I couldn't finish it then. And then I went to get on again, then Brad passed. So I never was, it. so finally, I just actually finished it last July, 2022. I finally got my master's of theology. Wow. Now that I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so that's, so that's basically, that's how that went. And, you know, I just, uh, I'm moving around because I had to go get some tissues because I've been crying and and all that stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're fine. you're fine. I can hear you just fine. <laughs> okay. I actually have a question because I've always wondered this and I always ask people personally, um, 
you had you have a great you had a great you have a great relationship and you had a great relationship with God at that time. Did you find yourself questioning why Hollis? So it's that's a great question. It's a great question because a couple things. Um, I did ask God why why me why why because remember I told you we were like the Cosby family. I mean mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine that this happened to Pauline Johnson. I just felt like how in the world could this happen to me? And so I said, God, why, why would you allow this to have happened to us, our family? And the only thing I could get was, at least what came in my spirit, I don't know if it was the Lord or not, but in my spirit, it said, why not me? Why not you? This happens to so many people. But really what, what, what really made me think about it, to be honest, 10 years prior to that, 10 years prior to Hollis being killed, Hollis fell asleep at the wheel coming down 95. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, he was with a friend. They were coming from the club. And I remember Hollis calling me up. He said, Ma, I just told him my car. And, I, and the fact that I was talking to him, I said, oh, well, I don't care about no car. I'm talking to you. I'm happy. I said, we're good. I said, how's your friend? He said, oh, my friend, he's fine. We're fine. But the car is told. He was so worried about the car. I said, Hollis, we can always get a new car. Yeah. We can't ever replace you. So I thought back that we had 10 years more than we, than we even knew we were gonna have. We didn't know he was gonna die, because Hollis was 36. He had that accident in that car 10 years prior that when he was 26. So we had no idea that we were gonna have an additional 20 some years. So what made me think of God could have taken Hollis then. This is the thing about your relationship. This is why it's so critical. And I'm, I'm, gonna, take, I'm gonna take you back a little bit in, in, in here in a minute. Um, Hollis, lived 10 years past that accident. We didn't know we were going to get 10 years with Hollis. We didn't know that he was going to, that he was going to die when he got 36. But the thing is this, God does not really want bad things to happen to people. That's not, that's not the way it is. However, he does allow certain things to take place because think of all the people that have been shot and shot numerous times and lived to tell the story. Yeah. And I thought about this, but he didn't let Hollis live. You know, I really wanted him to let Hollis because that was my prayer. Lord, just let him live. But that was not the case. So I was not I was not in that place where I was mad at God. I was never mad at God. But I did. I was wishing that he would have that that would have been uh, his will for him to live. But it wasn't it was not that was not his perfect will. It just wasn't. So it was not something that we could change because that was that must have been because we all got a time. Uh, and that must have been Hollis's time. That's the only way I could look at it. But I want to share this because when I first came into ministry, and that's why I know that the Lord had prepared me for Hollis. When I first came into ministry, my pastor used to have me always doing funerals. Mm. I mean, I was doing funerals for um, like anything that I don't know, there were just different people that would pass at the church. He'd say, Paul, you can, you can do this. And I had never done funerals before. Usually, you know, people preach, they don't do funerals all the time. So then my family members were asking me to do their funerals. So I really started doing funerals, but what I, and I remember one day walking down the street saying to God, I said, Lord, why, why am I in this morbid ministry? I felt like it was so morbid to, to always be there when people die. It just felt just, I said, just, and I remember saying to the Lord, I don't understand why am I, why am I doing this kind of service? However, I think that all those services that I had done prior prepared me for when my own son, when I was going to have to eulogize him. So God, God had this set up from, you see, this is this, this, I'm telling you, 
God is very strategic. God is strategic. And, and I wish people could, could really get it because so many times God is, is wanting us to do certain things that we just dismiss it. You ever think God's telling you to do something? You think, oh, no, 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 that's not it. No, God is asking each one of us. Each one of us has a purpose on this earth. And if you think about the time we have, I'm 72 years old, 72. I mean, I've lived, I'm at the last quarter of my life, right? So I've lived so much life, but yet God still has purpose for me. I mean, I have so much energy to do some things that I am trying to change some things in my life so that I can do some things that I feel God is asking me to do. So um, I say all that to say this, we don't know, you know, God's ways are not our ways. His perfect will is sometimes, and I don't believe that was his perfect will. He just allowed that to take place. That's how I personally believe that he allowed Hollis to have to do that. And he allowed our family to go through it. Um, did that change people's lives in our family? I think it did. I think it did. Some, and, you know, and maybe that's what it took. Maybe that's what it took. Uh, it's, 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 sometimes I don't even like to say it because you like to think, you know, God is a jealous God. And he wants to be number one in our lives. And that's the one thing that when I'm going through different things now in my life, I have to remember, I have this saying, I always say, trust God, trust the process, trust the outcome. I say it all the time because a lot of times we want to do things our way. You know, I, I'm always, we are always trying to maneuver and make things happen a certain way. When God is saying, no, no, I've asked you be still, know that I am God. I can do this. And I think that if we, if we enhance that personal vertical relationship, then we will know when God is speaking to us because if you read his word, then you're gonna know who he is. If you don't read his word, you're not really gonna know who he is. So it's so critical that we individually, and I'm always saying, if you could see me, I have my head, well, you probably can see, I have, I have this vertical, I'm always saying, we have to maintain this vertical personal relationship. And the key is personal because what he has for James, is different than what he has for Pauline, different than what he has for Cheryl, different than what he has for my daughter. And I think that that's what I want all of us to understand that God has a special purpose for each one of us, even when we have to go through bereavement. And, I, and, and I, I'll even share this, so from, so typically the fall is my absolute favorite time of year, favorite, Hollis died in October. Mm. It no longer was my favorite time of year. So from September to December is an extremely hard time for me. And Hollis's birthday was December 6th. My birthday is December 11th. So our birthdays were right there together. And so what we do, um, I've done a couple of things. Uh, one year after he died, we had a big party here to celebrate Hollis and just had people, we had cake and you know people talk about Hollis. And that was really good because that just gave his friends some time to, to, to talk about him. But then also it gave us as a family just to think about him. So sometimes when I go out, even if I'm by myself and I go out to eat, I'll order wings. Hollis love wings. So I will order a set of wings just so that just to honor him, you know, just say, OK, we're going to do wings for you for you tonight. Hollis. <laughs> yeah, we do stuff like that. And this is a funny thing that happens to me. Um, when I could be sitting in the car driving or I can be sitting down here at my favorite spot in my chair and I could, and I might start to just weep. I just might just weep, but it could come at any point in time. And uh, I can hear how I say, Ma, please don't cry. Please don't cry. Please don't cry. It's better than you could ever imagine. And that's, and that's like, okay, I'm okay. I'll be all right. I'm gonna get through this. So 
life is extremely hard, right? It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, I should have turned that phone off, but I don't need to get that anyway. But um, is it real loud for you to hear that? I'll, no, you're fine. You're fine. Just keep going. You're fine. Okay. So I really have, you know, I really, I really try to every day live my life to the fullest, to be honest with you. I, I love living life. I try to do everything that I can that's, that's, that's good. I, I make mistakes like we all do. But um, and, oh, one of the other things, well, it's <laughs> when you lose someone that you love so dearly, um, you don't sometimes make the right decisions. And so, so there's some decisions that I've made that just were not good decisions. And I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you know what one of them is. Hollis had a, he had his own condo in, 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 in Hyattsville. And because he got killed there, I just didn't want to keep it. But what I should have done, I should have kept it. Because when he died, Hollis had get, he had um, his 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 um, he was re refinancing his house and he was getting the mortgage payment down. That's when interest rates went low. I had gotten Hollis's mortgage payment down. In fact, the day that we went into his mailbox, this this the that next week after he had passed, I went to his mailbox and I saw the paperwork. I said, "Well, I'll go ahead and finish this paperwork." And I I got the lawyers to, to make sure I, it was legal for me to start to work on his 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 information. I got Hollis's mortgage payment down to $227 a month. Wow. Do you realize if I had not sold his house, that would have been income for me every single month, forever. Because yeah. I could have rented, I could have rented his house out probably for at a minimum $2,500 a, a month. Um, but because I was still distraught and I just wanted to get rid of that property because it was it had bad memories, because I couldn't even. If you ever go online, you'll see, and you put Hollis Johnson in, you'll see, you can see the video of when he was killed. Um, he had the door open and the person, and I, I couldn't even watch it for a whole year. I never watched that video for, for a year. And I've only seen the video one time, but it shows him holding the door. So somebody had said something to him. Um, I guess, I don't know, because you can't hear anything. And then you see that you can, you see somebody running back out. That's all you can see, but you can look at it if you want to. It's it's uh, I forget what channel is, but if you put his name in there, it'll 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 come up. So, so I think I kind of went around the Melbury Bush there. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I mean, not the whole the whole um, house thing. You know, I could we look at the income, but you know, if if it's memories, it's memories, and if you don't want to deal with those memories. And sometimes, you know, I, your blessings come from other places. Like hmm. you're talking now, you, you, you at, I mean, you, I mean, I, the best word I can say, I can't really say, I, I mean, I guess with God's, with God's strength, I could say you were somewhat at peace because you're able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but who knows if you kept that property, maybe you wouldn't be able to talk about it. Maybe, you yeah. know, so you don't, we don't know. The fact that you, you know, you're able to talk, you're able to carry on. I mean, that's a blessing that the $2,500 could have never provided. So that's, that's a good point. That's a good, that's a very good point. And you know, my, my, I have, I have a hashtag line. My hashtag line is keep it moving. And that's been my motto. No matter what you have to keep it moving. And in that, when I say hashtag keep it moving, there has to be some pauses in your life to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself because some people get so distraught that they can't get out of bed. I actually never, 
you know, I, I have been blessed in so many ways. I never lost a night's sleep. I always can go to bed and sleep, sleep really quite well. So I thank God for that. Um, so it's interesting. And, you know, cause I know some people, when they go through loss, they can't get up in the morning. They just can't get up in the afternoon and they stay in bed. And, and I really want to be that, that person that can help people get out of bed and, and, and know that they can still move forward because, you know, my title of my thesis was life is a part of death. Death is a part of life. It's, it's all, it's all intertwined with each other. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, nobody likes loss because it, it seems like here lately, so many people are losing people. It's just crazy. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's a time where we are seeing that word loss a lot. Yeah. You've actually managed to turn his life, his, his law, his law, you've actually managed to turn his loss into a positive by creating the foundation. And I wanted you to take a minute to talk about that. Yeah. The foundation, you know, Hollis played basketball. He um, played division two basketball. He graduated house and we can give you know give out scholarships and I'm going to back you up for one second cuz I, I had lost you um the connection went bad you said he played basketball and I wanted you to pick up from me oh he played he played he played basketball first at Carson Newman he was a division 2 ball player and Carson Newman was in Tennessee I think Carson Newman now is a division 1 uh league but at that, that time they were division 2 so Hollis was there for one year uh, and he, but you know, he's a DC guy. House loved DC, and he wanted to come back home. You know, he loved DC, so he said, "He said, no, I'm coming." He said, I'm, "I want to come back up there." So uh, different coaches came by the house to talk to him about going to their school, and uh, uh, he was he was wanting to go to one school. That one didn't work out. So UDC, the, the coach, oh, well, like, why can't I think of anybody's name? Coach, oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, I wish I could think of his name. Anyway, the coach came to the house and him and Hollis uh, talked and Hollis was so comfortable with him that uh, he decided he was going to go to UDC. He didn't want to go out of town. And uh, he, he really loved UDC and he graduated from there. And that's and it, we, it took him a while to get to graduate because, you know, with playing ball, it's a it's a lot of work. So uh, but he ended up graduating, got his degree. And I remember him calling me every day, Ma, I just passed math. I just passed this. I just passed that. <laughs> he, he would say each day when he, he had passed an exam that he, he made, made, it, made it through. Um, so he actually, uh, so from that, because he loved ball, and, and we're, this house is a ball house. They, they love sports. They love football. Actually, any sports, but, you know, they love basketball. And so after that, he, um, we went to, uh, when we got these checks, we said, gee, we need to probably do something with this because we don't really need it to bury him because remember he he had a job so he had insurance and so we didn't need any money to take care of him that way so ended up uh he actually uh well not Hollis didn't but we actually I talked to my girlfriend who started our 501c and uh we we actually had the board of directors it includes most of uh Hollis's friends that he grew up within uh in high school and a couple of his really good he, he even said if he ever got married he'd have to have like eight or nine bright uh, best men because nobody <laughs> could, he couldn't just pick one they'd have all right. to all be there i said how you can't do that he's oh yes i can he said they're all going to be the best because i'm not going to pick any anyone special i said okay so um yeah so we ended up the first so 2014 he died so we gave out the first scholarship in 2015 and it was at that time we we gave it to two people so we had enough to give $2000 each to each to each to each kid after they uh they have to be 
the criteria was they have to have some kind of community, some kind of community involvement. And then they also uh, have to have a letter from a division one, two or three school, even a division three school, they can, we could also give them $2,000 for that as well. And uh, there's a third criteria or oh, a letter from your school, you know, your high school that you graduated from. So we ended up uh, giving out that year two scholarships. And so since 2015, we've given out 14 scholarships. So some years we were able to give out three. Two years we gave out three, actually. The last two years we've given out three. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So now we're just working on our fundraisers and to, um, you know, because when I think about it, we're, we're, we're nine years old and we need to kind of step up our game. So I need to do a little bit more. And that's when I was saying I, I want to move some things around in my life to do. So since I work, I need to kind of see what I can do to try to alleviate some of these other things that I'm doing so I can do more in some of these community activities. You was telling me when we talked before the podcast that you wanted to start a podcast to help other people. And I wanted you to address that a little further. Okay. Well, I really believe that I'm supposed to do a podcast. And when I say, I really believe, I really believe this is, uh, God is calling me to do this because um, I want to do a podcast on loss, but not just loss of a loved one, loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship, loss of financials, loss of job, loss of just anything that's to do with loss. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, people get stuck. And when, you know, when you get stuck, you get paralyzed. And when you get paralysis, that doesn't move. And people get paralyzed that they can't move forward. And I want people to know that they can move forward by, by really talking real talk about some of these situations you know, to show them that they can really make it. So I, I really believe that God is going to use me in that vehicle. So that's what I, so I really wanted to have the podcast started a while ago, but now I'm thinking I'm going to, my goal is to make sure it's done by the time, uh, I, before October comes of this year. So hopefully maybe it'll be before that. Okay. So now that I'm doing this, maybe I'll make it, maybe I'll be able to get it done sooner. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, you'll get it done. Um, and, and if I could be of help, I'll make sure to give you, give you some help. I appreciate that. I thought about that. So this, that's why I had to laugh when I when I got to when I saw your text come across. I said, "Oh, maybe I am supposed to do this." <laughs> then I need to really get get moving with this. Maybe this will be the vehicle that I move myself forward. I want to. I wanted to close with this because you you talked. The last thing you just talked about was loss. So if you had to give the advice, what would be the advice you would give? for people to get, to be able to move forward after a loss? Mm. You asked the same question that my professor asked. You know, oh gosh. What would you, what do you do to move forward? You know, the first thing that, I, I know this, I don't want this to sound like a cliche, but you've got to know that God loves you. And that he and he wants the best for you. So you've got to, so as you go about your day just doing different things, you've got to know that you've got to really try. And sometimes when I say this, you know, well, well there's a couple of things. Let me, let me just put it this way. There are a couple of things. Number one, you just got to trust God. You've got to trust God. And sometimes that just sounds like so cliche. People don't think, well, well, yeah, we know we love God and we trust God. But when I say trust God, you've got to trust him where no matter what you want, no matter what I want, 
I've got to know that God has my interest. He's got the best for me. And that what he does will exceed my own expectations. And then people have to get help. And when I say help, if you need to go to a therapist, you need to go to a therapist. Um, when, when Hollis first passed, I went to the therapist for a little bit, but somehow, I don't know why, but I stopped going. And then, then I think because Brad got sick and I started taking care of him. So then after Brad passed, I said, I need to go back to therapy. So I went back after Brad passed. And so that was in 2017. And I went for about uh, I went for probably a good year. And recently, two years ago, I went back to therapy. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times people don't want to go to therapy, but I think therapy is good for men and women. And I think that it goes so deep in your, when you, if you, if you're, when you go to therapy, you must be honest with yourself and with the therapist, because you can maneuver the therapist if you want to, and, and then you're not going to get well. And the goal is to heal. You know, you want to heal from what, what's gone on in your life. So, you know, we know that God heals, but we also know that we are relationship people. We need to talk to people about what's going on in our lives. And, and I'm not saying you can't talk to the Lord because you can definitely talk to God about it. However, sometimes you need, you need that therapist because, and God has gifted them. So why would you not want to go? So the thing is, you just have to find the right therapist. You want someone who has your best interest. So two things, trust God. And if you know that you need therapy, you need to get therapy because you need to get help so that you can move forward in your life. Because unless people talk about it, they don't even know how to move forward. I'm really glad to hear you say that because, you know, growing up in church, unfortunately, we always hear pray about it, pray about it. And like you said, Praise is very necessary, but we also got to remember that God gifted people the, the mental capacity to help us and there's resources available. So we have to use all the resources that God put up before. So yeah, I'm, you, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We, we got to do that. We got to do that. Absolutely. So I have my monthly appointment with my therapist. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, really, really thank you for doing this because um, you had to go and remember some dark things that happened. <laughs> I so did. I really appreciate you taking the time to oh. do this. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to hearing the podcast because I'm sure um, your words will help somebody get through their, their loss and their grief. So thank you for choosing my platform. Oh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't realize it seemed like May got here awful fast from when we first talked. So, yeah, no. so <laughs> when you said today, I said, oh wait, it is today, isn't it? So I didn't want to change that. So let me just keep moving forward. So thank you so very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate meeting you, James. And uh, do you have people call you Lamp or do they just call you James? Both. <laughs> it just depends. <laughs> it, it depends, depends. on what it's like. Uh, because I because I was in the military and worked around a lot of military people, they always shortened it up to Lent. Um, oh. My family, you know, people who've known me my whole life is James. So whichever one works. Okay. Because I was going to call you Lamp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. I'm used to it. So that's fine. Yeah, well, you know why? Because our family, Hollis always had a nickname for everybody. So when you said Lamp, I thought, oh, I like Lamp. So I think I'm calling Lamp. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> but then I thought, you know, if that works for you, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, 
thank you again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's a nice talking with you, Liam. I love it. It's been a pleasure. Before we end it, do you do you have a website or your um anything that, that people should follow? I don't, not yet. I don't. I'm just I'm on with on Facebook. That's it. That's it. I don't have I do need to get a website. So I'm I'm working on that too. Okay. So I got like, I got a lot of work to do, don't I? Yeah, we're gonna work on that. Well <laughs> again though, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And I, and I'm looking and again, I'm really looking forward to hearing a podcast because I'm sure it's gonna be a big help to people. Thank you so much. And again, thank you, Lamp. I appreciate your time too. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.